0: Hello and welcome to Talking General Practice, the podcast from GP Online. We're back with our regular news review after a brief summer break. It's been a busy summer and there's been a lot going on in the world of general practice. You can catch up on all the news on our website, gponline.com. But coming up today, we're going to be talking about soaring energy costs and rising inflation and the impact these could have on GP practices. And we'll be looking at what new Prime Minister Liz Truss could mean for general practice and the NHS and whether her new government could prevent a possible crisis in the NHS this winter. Finally, in our good news spot, we'll be looking at an initiative from a group of GP trainees that puts forward a blueprint for tackling the crisis in general practice. That's all to come on this episode of Talking General Practice. First up, the cost of living crisis is likely to have an impact on everyone in the UK, in particular, the rising cost of energy. These rising costs are also set to hit businesses hard, and GP practices are no exception. GP Online has been looking at what this could mean for practices – Obviously, we have a new Prime Minister and Cabinet now, and as we record this, we are waiting to see what the plan is to tackle energy costs and what this could mean for businesses and the public sector. This could potentially go some way to addressing some of these problems, but even if bills are frozen, they're still significantly higher now than they were a year ago. Nick, what impact could rising energy costs have on GP practices? In fact,
1: it's not just about the impact they could have, it's the impact they're already having on GP practices, as well as the potential future cost increases. Research from the Federation of Small Businesses shows that among small businesses, and and GP practices are likely largely to be in the same boat as these types of companies, two thirds are already paying more now than they were last year. And two in five say the bills they're paying have already doubled, tripled or risen by even more. And from speaking to accountants who deal with GP practices, um, it looks like a practice of roughly average size with around nine and a half thousand, ten thousand patients was probably paying around £10,000 last year for their energy bills in the 2021-22 financial year. So if practices are already paying double that, we're talking hikes of £10,000 or more for many average-sized practices already. And as things stand, potentially another doubling of costs again next year, according to some of these forecasts.
0: You mentioned the accountants there, but accountants have also been sounding the alarm about the sustainability of practices giving rising costs across the board, not just energy. What have they been telling you?
1: Yeah, so uh, as we discussed, energy costs are a major pressure on practice costs, but increasing cost pressure is by no means limited to that. And for, for one thing, every other type of business GP practices interact with will be affected by rising energy costs. So their prices will be going up to reflect that. So soaring inflation also means other costs for all those businesses will be rising too. And for GP practices, the cost of cleaning, stationary, telephone systems will all go up. And the fees practices pay for legal advice or advice from accountants, for example, will be going up as well. And those businesses, cleaners, accountants, for example, can all raise their prices to cover the extra costs that they face. But for GP practices, whose sole income is from the NHS and therefore effectively fixed That's not something that they can do. So if they want to maintain profits or limit the reduction in profits, their only choice is to cut costs. Accountants are saying that this year, their projections are showing that because of all the extra cost pressures, practices are facing huge reductions in profits, drops of up to a third in a single year. And and these profits are are literally the income that partners who run GP practices across the country are going to make this year. So these are primary care doctors who, along with the rest of the profession, are working harder than ever, managing unprecedented demand with a workforce that's dwindling, as we've talked about, you know, often on the podcast. And and now accountants are telling them they're looking at profits falling by a third this year unless they make major cuts. And for some, this is going to mean looking at taking on fewer locum doctors. So actually for locum doctors, that's potentially less work out there potentially also not replacing salaried GPs when they leave and and that all means more pressure on partners themselves and as we've discussed before on the podcast GP partners are already a rapidly disappearing species falling much more quickly than the GP workforce as a whole unless the government steps in to really get a grip on on this um, that trend is probably only going to accelerate
0: yeah you mentioned recruitment freezes and things like that but what are there any other things that practices might have to consider or weigh up a res, as a result of so rising costs, falling profits?
1: Yes, yeah, so, I mean, you know, as I mentioned, some practices may have to reduce staff um, and they can also look to drop services that aren't economical to deliver. We reported last month on the possibility that some practices could choose not to offer uh, COVID jabs, for example, in part because of the reduced fees that are on offer uh, per jab for the current booster campaign compared with previous phases of the um, vaccine rollout. And ultimately, for some practices, it may mean handing back their contracts if uh, if, if the numbers just don't add up. H- having said all that, energy costs are certainly one of the biggest factors. Um, and the government is expected to announce measures to limit costs for households and businesses around the time we're recording this podcast. But if the measure announced is simply to freeze prices at their current levels, as we've discussed for lots of practices, costs have already gone up. So this could just lock in a rise that practices are already struggling to afford.
0: Yeah, I suppose the other side of this is that clearly rising energy costs, even like as you say, even if they're fixed now, they've already risen a lot, are gonna have a huge impact on patients. And I guess there's a real worry that this could further push up demand for GP appointments financial worries will probably lead to a significant rise in mental health problems for a start. And I was reading an article in The Guardian last week by Michael Marmot, who, as I'm sure most listeners know, is one of the world's leading experts on the social determinants of health. He was talking about the impact fuel poverty and cold homes can have. Cold makes lung problems in adults worse, and visits to GPs for problems relating to this are very linked to cold weather. Coal can also damage children's lungs and have a really negative impact on their mental health. And Michael Marmot was highlighting that because of this, there are potentially long term health implications of fuel poverty that could really exacerbate health inequalities in the coming years. So from a health point of view, there's this side of the cost of living crisis to consider as well. Moving on, we now have a new Prime Minister, Cabinet and a new Health and Social Care Secretary in Therese Coffee, who will also be taking on the role of Deputy Prime Minister. So what will all this mean for the NHS and general practice? Nick, the NHS didn't really feature that much during the race to become Tory leader but on her arrival at number 10 as Prime Minister this week Liz Truss listed the NHS and specifically access to GP appointments as one of her three priorities alongside cutting taxes and tackling energy costs. You've been looking at some of the things that Truss has said about the NHS during the campaign and before. What has she said and and has she said anything specific about general practice?
1: Yeah, so looking quite a few years back um, in 2009, Liz Truss co-authored a paper for a think tank that called for a 10% reduction in doctor's pay and for patients to be charged for visiting a GP. So Therese Coffee, who, as you mentioned, is the newly appointed Health and Social Care Secretary, has already ruled out charging for GP visits. So that one looks pretty unlikely to uh, materialise anytime soon. On the reduction in doctor's pay, it's basically already happened. I mean, the BMA is calling at the moment for pay restoration to reverse years of real-terms cuts for doctors, and those cuts have seen doctor's pay drop by far more than 10% in real terms. So perhaps the dusty old policy paper gives a clue about the the chances of pay being restored under a Liz Truss administration, but doctors will be hoping it doesn't. More recently, on the day before the Conservative Party confirmed that Ms Truss had been elected leader, she said a bit more during a BBC interview about her priorities. And as in the speech she made after becoming Prime Minister, she highlighted primary care and access to GP appointments as a priority. She said uh, her health and social care secretary would tackle this on the ground. I mean, it's, it's hard to know what that means exactly, but I think that the pessimistic interpretation could be that this kind of rhetoric suggests that an end may not be in sight for practices in terms of the constant public criticism over access that they've faced over the past year or two. And that's, you know, obviously criticism that's come despite the profession providing a record number of appointments in 2022. Liz Truss also mentioned that she is committed to existing NHS spending promises and has said that she would prioritise bringing down the record NHS waiting list. And and that's obviously a major driver of pressure on general practice. So any successful initiatives that can do that would be hugely welcome for GPs. Liz Truss has also said that, um, and she said it during the campaign, I'm not sure it's come up since, but uh, she certainly said it during the campaign that one of the priorities she would deal with was the the problems with NHS pensions and the pension tax penalties that are forcing a lot of doctors to... uh, cut back their hours or consider sort of withdrawing from working for the NHS.
0: And what do we know about new Health and Social Care Secretary Therese Coffey and what her priorities will be in her new job?
1: So Therese Coffey is understood to have met the NHS Chief Executive, Amanda Pritchard, this week, uh, I think possibly on her first day in the post. And she talks about sort of getting into the detail of the challenges facing the health service. And uh, Therese Coffey acknowledge that those challenges are huge and she's also promised to stand up for patients on access to general practice another thing she said was was that she would fix the system so that patients come first that was something that came up in a in a bbc interview this week she's also said that some gp practices are absolutely fantastic were her words at making sure people can get through on the phone and make appointments for example but that she wants to work on the details of how this can be improved uh, across the piece. Um, In terms of priorities, she's used this phrase, she's talked about her ABCD on a number of occasions, ambulances, backlogs, care, doctors and dentists. One of the points she's made is that large numbers of patients who don't need to be there are stuck in hospital because of a lack of capacity and places for them to move to in the community. So that could be part of an approach to tackling the backlog and potentially beginning to ease some of the other pressures in the NHS system that we, we could start to see materialise in the coming weeks and months.
0: In terms of the way representative bodies have kind of reacted to this uh, new prime minister and new health and social care secretary, I mean, the BMA's response, I think, has been pretty strident. BMA chair Professor Philip Banfield wrote to Liz Truss, warning her that she needs to take steps to help overwhelm GPs and other staff in the NHS or face a meltdown, basically, in the health service this winter. The union's obviously really unhappy with this year's pay award. You mentioned pay there. And Professor Banfield also warned that new Prime Minister that industrial action could be on the cards unless the government relooks at doctors' pay. I mean, you mentioned doctors' pensions there and what Trust said about that during the campaign. And the BMA is pretty clear that this is the one issue that needs to be addressed really urgently if the NHS really has a hope of starting to cut waiting lists and even you know, whether it can cope in any form this winter.
1: Yeah. So in terms of what the the BMA is calling for, as well as specialist medical accountants and other financial experts have said that the government needs to amend a piece of legislation called the Finance Act to fix a major problem with NHS pensions, uh, and, and in particular, the way that tax penalties are triggered for doctors. So this legislation was originally intended to mean that when it came to annual allowance calculations... Only pension growth above inflation was considered. But a a change in 2016 meant that from that point onwards, a different CPI inflation figure is used for annual allowance calculations than the one used to uprate pension benefits in the NHS pension scheme each year. And as a result, doctors can face pension charges that are generated purely by rising inflation, which is, you know, which is clearly unfair. Another measure the BMA wants um, is the adoption for doctors of a tax unregistered pension scheme. And it's similar to the sort of mechanism that's in place for the judiciary. This was brought in for judges um, for similar reasons, actually, to the case being made by doctors now. So it was driven by problems with recruitment and retention. And, um, you know, as we know, pension tax penalties have forced doctors to reduce their working hours, potentially quit the NHS, opt out of the pension scheme. What the tax unregistered scheme would mean is that doctors would not receive uh, tax relief on the contributions they make to their pensions, Uh, i.e. the employee pension contributions. And then because of that fact, there'd be no tax relief on their pension contributions, and therefore they would no longer be subject to annual or lifetime allowance caps that can trigger the tax penalties that have caused the problems.
0: Yeah, I mean, it all sounds quite complicated, but really they are quite simple steps that the government could take if they've got the will to address the pension problem. And clearly that is like one of the quickest things they could potentially do to encourage doctors in secondary care to take on more shifts to help clear the backlog to stop GPs cutting back hours because of these punitive tax charges. I mean, in terms of what other groups have sort of said to to raise coffee when her appointment was announced, well, they're all pretty clear that recruitment and retention... And funding really need to be top of the list. The RCGP said that general practice needs to be a key priority, obviously, as it would. But it said that the government really has to get to grips with the workforce crisis. And that means getting new doctors into the profession, but also ensuring GPs already working in the NHS stay working. We've had countless promises on this over the years. But here we are now and latest figures show we're a massive 1,554 less full-time equivalent, fully qualified GPs than we had in June 2017, which is a pretty appalling statistic, really. But obviously, you know, all of this has to be set against Liz Truss's other key objective. And this was the first one she mentioned on the steps of uh, number 10, Downing Street, which is to cut taxes. Uh, And clearly, cutting taxes means less money for public services. In her media round on her first day in the new job Therese coffee said that spending on the NHS would be you know maintained at planned levels from general taxation despite plans to scrap the health and social care and national insurance levy. But you know I'm not sure how those sums are going to stack up really, but even if there is still an increase in funding for the NHS, I think the general feeling is that without the staff to actually provide care, it all means very little. And we know that up until now, the government has been incredibly reluctant to commit to a proper workforce plan. So there's no doubt we're facing, I think, a really difficult winter ahead. And really, the new prime minister and health and social care secretary have very little time, I think, to avert a potentially serious crisis. There's been some reports in um, papers over the last couple of days that we could see an announcement on the NHS next week. You talked earlier there about the whole idea of getting people out of hospital and The Guardian reported that Therese Coffee is weighing up a plan to pay care homes to take patients who are fit to be discharged out of hospitals. Obviously, as the paper warns, that's going to depend on the Treasury being prepared to stump up the funding for that. You know, there are also reports in other papers I've seen that pensions will be addressed in that plan and that there might be some steps that could be taken to improve GP access, might include something around getting community pharmacy to take on more work. But I suspect these are all probably things that are still very much under consideration rather than concrete plans, so we'll have to wait and see what emerges. But clearly something has to be done to help general practice this winter. The stats all show that GPs have been working exceptionally hard over the summer. And there's a real worry that things will only get exponentially worse on this front in the coming months. Yeah, I
1: mean, in, in terms of those stats, we know that, you know, in 2022, general practice delivered 367 million appointments, including COVID jabs, which is a, a colossal record. And in the, in the 12 months to July this year, the general practice actually delivered more than 200 million face-to-face appointments in that 12 month period. So that's a, a huge proportion of the, uh, of the workload that's, you know, that's actually being delivered face to face, despite some of the criticisms that, that practices have, um, have faced around that. And this is obviously in the context of, um, of the GP workforce going down while numbers of patients go up. And I think we, we've shown that uh, GPs per patient are down 2.2% over the, uh, the past year.
0: Yeah, it's a pretty difficult picture, I think. I mean, we carried a survey earlier in the summer which found that nine out of 10 GPs thought that their practice would struggle to cope this winter. You know, and their main concerns were around workload pressures and staff shortages, both of which we've talked about today. Only 1% of GPs in that poll said that they thought the NHS as a whole would be able to manage demand this winter. GPs highlighted... That winter illnesses, which obviously always cause a problem every year, but that alongside the delivery of the COVID booster programme of flu vaccines, which started this week. You know, GPs are really worried that this is going to put unsustainable pressure on practices. And quite a few of the respondents raised concerns about the impact this would have on patients. We carried out the poll like quite early in the summer, and one of the things that was quite striking about it was lots of the GPs responding said that workload pressures were already so severe that it actually felt like winter in what should traditionally be a quieter part of the year. Lots of GPs said they were dreading – that word came up loads – they were dreading winter, and it was going to be a nightmare, and that it could be actually be really scary working in the NHS through that period – I think the other thing to mention that's kind of happened over the summer is NHS England put out its winter plan and there was very little in that that would actually address GP's worries about this winter. So I think there's real concern about how the NHS is going to cope across the winter months. And I think that that is really needs to be right at the forefront of the new health and social care secretary's plans in the coming days. Well, that last bit about winter was quite worrying. So we're going to try and finish off with a regular bit of good news. And this week, we've got a really positive story for you. Nick, you wrote a story last week on the website about an initiative that has seen a group of GP trainees put together what's effectively a blueprint for how to move general practice out of the current state of crisis it's in. I really like this story because these are solutions that are being put forward by the next generation of the profession who will hopefully you know be people practicing as GPs for the next 30 or potentially 40 years. So what exactly is this project and what did the trainees suggest needed to change? Yeah so this is something called the
1: the big GP consultation and it's a, an independent initiative conceived and led by a group of GP trainees and that group consulted uh, more than 100 GPs and trainee GPs over a four-month period. And the idea was to to come up with proposals to create a future general practice that works for patients and, and the workforce. Some of the proposals cover clinical care, some of it's recruitment and retention, leadership in general practice. The foreword, in some ways, sums it up. Uh, former RCGP chair Professor Helen Stokes-Lampard said that it, it offered uh, hope and a good measure of inspiration at a time of crisis for general practice. The kind of things that they came up with, I mean, interestingly, in, in some cases, uh, the proposals were not dissimilar from the kinds of things that you'd expect to see uh, in an RCGP uh, report setting out a vision for you know proposals for change and improvement to general practice. But there are some things that maybe reflect slightly different priorities you know, on the part of the, the next generation of GPs. So one of the things that stood out was that they called for general practice to make tackling health inequalities part of its core business. And that's sort of in line with a recognition that delivering holistic care uh, means recognising the role that social determinants of health play alongside the biomedical factors. That comes at a time when you've mentioned uh, the latest sort of Marmot uh, report recently. There have also been another series of Marmot reports about the the significance of the social determinants of health and relationship with general practice. That's something, obviously, that the um, the, the current RCGP chair is very big on. There's also uh, some interesting elements around calling for a, a drive to ensure parity of esteem for general practice, and one part of that that's really interesting and I've not been able to get the RCGP to uh, to confirm yet whether they're interested in um, considering something like this. But the, the Big GP Consultation Group uh, want the RCGP to consult on dropping the term GP and going for something slightly different, like specialist in family medicine, which they think you know could potentially give um, general practice and well the, the the job of general practice a a name that kind of fits what it is slightly better. That sort of emphasises the level of specialism that's involved in general practice rather than just being general and somehow sounding basic. So, yeah, I mean, there's then there's a lot of other stuff in there. I mean, I would really encourage uh, you know anyone listening to go and uh, Google the Big GP consultation and have a read of what they've said.
0: We'll put a link to the story you've done about that on the description of this podcast. And also we've got a brief opinion piece by the co-founders of the scheme, also on the website. Um, We're also hoping to speak to those two co-founders in a future episode of the podcast later this month. So do keep a lookout for that. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks so much for listening and thanks to Nick. We're back next week when I'll be speaking with Dr. Helen Garr, the Medical Director of NHS Practitioner Health, the NHS service that looks after healthcare staff experiencing mental ill health. We'll be talking about what GPs and other members of the primary care team can do to look after their own mental health and support colleagues experiencing problems. Please join me then. In the meantime, you can keep up to date with all the news affecting general practice at gponline.com.